Welcome to the Revelation Church podcast. We trust today's message will speak to you. If you'd like to get in touch, just drop us an email at hello at revelationchurch.org.uk. This morning, uh, if you missed it, my name's Rich. Um, a very warm welcome to Revelation Church. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, last week, Steph kicked us off in a series looking at the I am statements of God throughout Scripture, each one of them revealing a different facet of God's character. And this week, um, I know it's only the second week, but we're taking a break from that series. We'll be back into it from next week. Um, It was so good we scratched. No, 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 we haven't scratched it. We'll be back into it next week. Um, But I'm doing um, a message today on prayer. Um, Thinking, as Steph mentioned in the notices, about next Sunday, um, our 10 days of prayer and fasting um, coming up. And just wanting to help us uh, process and prepare our hearts. And when you, when you, when you open up a, uh, the conversation about prayer, it's huge. People have written volumes and volumes and volumes um, about prayer. And there is so much um, that could be said. Um, and there is so much that I want to say. But what I'm going to do today is I'm going to try and just hone in on a couple of things. Um, and so we're going to look at prayer. Uh, we're going to look at prayer as friendship. And fight. Right? So you got that prayer, friendship, and fight. We're going to look at those two things um, with a view to kind of looking at uh, next week's uh, 10 days of prayer and fasting. Um, But I'm going to pray um, before we kick off. Um, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, And Lord, I just pray that you would help us this morning uh, to, to hear what you're saying through your word. Um, And Lord, give us the humility to sit under your word. Uh, Lord, to live in accordance with your word. Lord, to take you at your word. Lord, to believe you. And that, Lord, as we open up these themes of friendship and fighting through prayer, Lord, we pray that it would be something that just uh, resonates with our hearts, but also, Lord, inspires us, Lord, to all that you have for us to a deeper friendship, a deeper relationship, a deeper uh, understanding and knowledge of who you are in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, this morning, you may be at either end of those two spectrums. I recognize friendship and fighting aren't necessarily um, one and the same thing. Uh, They might be. Um, But um, there is a certain compatibility. They're kind of either end, if you like, of the spectrum. Um, And it may be that today you're in a place where actually um, you, you, you have been fighting. And perhaps you are a bit weary. And a bit tired and a bit bruised and a bit beaten up. And, you think, and you're thinking to yourself, God, can I really go again? Do I really have it in me to, to, to fight more in prayer? Do I really have it in me to give my energies to this again? Um, or, or it might be that you're at the other end of the spectrum. You just want to get on with things. You're, you're in a place where your spirit is buoyed. Your faith is filled and you're good to go. And you just need to be directed and channeled um, in a direction. And then everything just takes off. Um, and, and it's just recognizing that particularly with prayer and our individual prayer lives and our corporate prayer lives, there are seasons that we go through. Seasons where we feel an ease to it and seasons where it feels difficult and tough. And acknowledging both of those seasons will help us as we mature and as we press into God um, for all that he has for us. Um, So we're going to be in um, John's Gospel. We're going to jump in at chapter 15. 
Um, and we're going to read from verses 12 through to 17. They should come up. There we go. Um, perfect. Um, in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I commanded you so that you will love one another. There's lots of uh, verses like verse 16 or lots of statements, if you like, that Jesus makes where he says things like this in verse 16, where he says um, stuff like, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Right? That's, that's a pretty bold statement. That's a fairly all-encompassing statement. And when we understand that prayer is about communion, about relationship, about communicating with God, um, both where we come to him um, in, in relationship with him, in friendship with him, but also come in prayer for situations and circumstances around us. And then we read verses like that, where we say, ask the Father in my name that he may give it to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name that he may give it to you. At that point, you can be tempted to think, great, well, we'll just ask for whatever we want, right? I've got a list ready to go, yeah? Um, but we're going to see as we dig into the verses from um, just before that actually this, this, this desire or the things that we want to ask of God comes out of a place of relationship and friendship with him. And so... Let's have a quick look in verse 12. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you see, um, in, this, in this passage in particular, um, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. Um, and um, he instructs them to love uh, one another. Um, and he says that um, as uh, they are to love one another... Um, as he loves, as he has loved them, and then he says, uh, "Greater love is no man that he lay down his life for his friends." And with hindsight, we we, we look back through to these verses um, at what Jesus is saying. He's essentially saying that I'm going to the cross so that you can be my friends, so that you can be brought into relationship um, with me. You see, we're all born out of relationship with God. And the Bible actually goes a step further and says, actually, we are all enemies of God. You see, our default is to turn away from God and to do things without regard for him. Just ignore him um, and, and live selfishly, live with our own priorities and our own motives in mind. And the Bible calls this sin. And that sin is the thing that then separates and fractures and breaks this relationship that we have with God. And that's the pattern of our lives, that we were sinners. And it says in Romans that the result of that sin or the wages or the, or the payment for that sin is death. That actually by turning away from God, that's where it goes. That's ultimately where it goes. Um, and, then we, and then in uh, Luke 7, 
Um, Jesus is uh, described um, as being a friend of sinners. Um, it's not actually a positive. It's not actually in a positive context. They're saying, well, "Actually, you you eat and drink with all of these people. He's a friend of sinners. What is he doing?" Um, and in the midst of that, um, Jesus said, "It's not the the, the healthy that need a doctor. It's those that are sick." And so Jesus' very purpose was to come and meet with those people. And I'm so thankful he did. Because actually, when we understand that we have all turned away to our our, our own devices, our own um, wants and desires, actually, the fact that Jesus comes as a friend of sinners to rescue us and restore us and bring us back into relationship with him, that's incredible. Because that means he can be my friend. Because I was a sinner. And that means he can be your friend. And so how does this work then? Well, if, if the penalty for our sin is death, then Jesus, who, who, who lived a perfect life, who was without sin, in 1 John it says that in him, talking about Jesus, it says in him there was no sin. Um, and then according to verse 13, um, greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Jesus laid down his life, and yet he was perfect. And so he satisfied a debt to sin that actually he didn't owe. And the truth is, he actually gave his life to satisfy the debt of sin that we owed, that we could be brought into relationship with him. That actually that, that, that record of debt that is called in Colossians, that, that wages of sin that was death, um, actually has been dealt with. It was satisfied at the cross. That when Jesus died, it was done with. It was, it was done away with. That now we can come into this incredible relationship with him. Um, that we're now debt free. And what is required of us is that we receive this gift of eternal life, that we come to him with humility and we lay ourselves before him and just say, Lord, would you have it all? And that may be the first prayer you ever prayed. And it may be the first prayer that some of you pray today. Jesus, would you have it all? But you see, if prayer is about a communication or relationship, if you like, prayer is kind of the the tracks on which our relationship with God um, really takes ground if that's the case then actually today you can begin that relationship with him you see Jesus' death on the cross was the deepest expression of friendship no greater love uh, greater love has no man than this that someone lay down his life for his friends and he did, so, he did so to draw us into relationship with him. I often think, um, I, I often think that I, in, in, when it comes to my own prayer life, I often think that I have to, I, I come, I'm the one that comes close to God. And to some extent, that is true because we come before him with reverence and humility. It's, you know, it says in Hebrews that we come in, uh, we have confidence to enter the holy places. There's a coming before God um, with our, ourselves. But it's not so much about a position. 
It's not about necessarily, well, actually, over here, now I can pray. Da, 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 right? Um, that, that would have been true, and we'll look at an example of that in just a second. But actually, it's about giving our attention or diverting our attention to him. It's not about movement. Uh, it's more about, if you like, shifting our attention towards God rather than shifting our physicality towards God. How many of you know that you, you started, you thought, I'm going to set this time aside to pray, and you sit down, and then you start thinking about a million and one other things, <laughs> right? Where's your attention, right? You're in your position to pray, but your attention is elsewhere. That's just, that's the reality. That's our human nature, but it's recognizing prayer is, is more about our attention rather than, uh, if you like, our physical um, position. Um, the incredible thing is, in as much as we, are draw, we can now draw close to God, that we can come before him, um, we read actually in John 15, the few verses before, um, in verse uh, 4, uh, Jesus uh, talking to them, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. Here's the incredible thing. At, at the beginning of John 15, Jesus is talking about him being the true vine. And a true vine that provides sustenance, that provides nourishment, that provides joy. And, and, and he, in verse 4, he talks about abide in me and I in you. And actually, the incredible thing through the cross is, yes, God brought us near to him. But God also came near to us. That actually, God loved us with an everlasting love where he wasn't, he wasn't content to leave us in our sin. But he, he left his home in glory and stepped down into humanity. He took on the form of a servant, being born in human likeness. He was a baby. He was vulnerable. He was weak. And he did that for you and for me. God drew near that we might be able to draw near to him. And if we move on then in our passage in uh, John chapter 15, Jesus then goes on to say, you are my friends. He makes it really explicit for them. He says, greater love is no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And essentially, he's foretelling his death. He's saying, I am going to die that you can be in relationship with me. Will you obey me? Will you obey me? Will you follow me? Will you give your life to me? That's what he's saying to his disciples. Interestingly, he's talking to his disciples here, who many of them have left things behind to follow him. Peter and Andrew were fishing, and they left their fishing nets and went and followed Jesus. And Matthew, the tax collector, was sitting in his tax collecting booth, and Jesus said to him, follow me. I mean, that's all it says in Matthew. <laughs> it just says, follow me. And then, it, and then the next line is, and Matthew got up and followed him. And Jesus is calling us today to follow him. Jesus is calling us today to pursue him He's calling us to give ourselves, to love him unconditionally, to come into that friendship with him together. 
In, um, in the next verse then, he says, no longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. You see, we're no longer servants, but we're friends. We're no longer distant from God. We're no longer uh, shut out of the conversation. We're friends. And friends, friends talk about things. Friends talk about situations, circumstances. They talk about their feelings. They talk about what's going on. They, talk, they look to one another for advice and for counsel. And that's what we can do when we come to God, is we can seek him um, for counsel. We can seek him for wisdom. We can seek him for direction. Um, Jesus draws this comparison between a servant um, and a friend. A servant who doesn't know anything, who just follows orders, who just, what's asked, just does whatever is asked of them. Um, and he compares this with a friend who's let into the understanding, to the reasonings, to the mechanisms, to the, to the reason why we're doing certain things. He's, friends are introduced or brought into the discussion um, about what we're doing. You see, it represents a dialogue. When we come to pray, it's about engaging in a dialogue with God. There are times, yeah, absolutely, where we just come and we lay things before him. But there should also be an expectation for him to speak. There should also be an expectation for him to lead us, to guide us, to bring comfort, to bring counsel, to bring uh, wisdom and direction. Uh, he says that whatever the Father has revealed, I, uh, all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. There should be revelation that comes in this relationship with God um, as we step in um, to pray. Maybe one of verse 16. It says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We are, in this, in this verse, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, saying that they are chosen, that they're chosen, that they've been appointed. Um, this is actually true, not just of his disciples, but it's also true of the wider church, those that have given their lives to Jesus, those that have come in surrender and prayed that prayer, um, maybe even for the first time, and said, Lord, I'm giving myself to you. I surrender to you. In um, Ephesians uh, 1, verse 4, it says, He, and that's uh, talking about God, He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. He chose us before the foundation of the world. And then in Colossians 1, verse 10. So that you walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That we are chosen and that we bear fruit. That's, that's the intention of this relationship, of this friendship with God. 
out of that, we find affirmation of the fact that we are chosen. That is confirmed in our hearts. But then it's also, um, we are then in the same way appointed to bear fruit, that we ought to go and be those that bear fruit. And now bearing fruit can feel a little bit sort of abstract and um, a little bit distant. And obviously here Jesus is using the image of a vine tree um, that he started at the beginning of um, the chapter. But when you unpack fruit, he's talking about, he's talking about our character. He's talking about our conduct. And he's talking about seeing people saved. He's talking about converts. He's talking about people coming to know him. All of those things constitute fruit. Us bearing fruit. Us growing and maturing in God. But also seeing his kingdom extended. Seeing people's lives transformed with the power of the gospel. All of this to say, it's been looking very heavily at kind of the relationship, the friendship aspect of God. And when, all, when, when, when you read back through those verses, actually then when you read verse 16, and he says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. You see, this is not, this is, this is, this is not a new a new idea. This is not um, somehow kind of uh, like, like blue sky thinking. God has got a pattern that has existed throughout eternity. And he has chosen us before the foundation of the world that we would play a part in that. And he has appointed times and seasons and moments for us to bear fruit. That's what he's talking about. And so in those moments, if we are fully submitted to God, if we are in right relationship with God, if our hearts are surrendered before him, if we come bowed down um, and low before him, then yes, we can ask whatever, uh, whatever we ask uh, the Father in my name. He may give it to you. Because you see, through that relationship, as we engage with God in the same way that we lay ourselves bare before him, God lays himself bare before us. And he begins to speak to us about his plans. And he begins to speak to us about his purposes. He begins to speak to us about his feelings, about how he feels about the incident that happened 100 meters away. He begins to unload some of those things to us because we're friends. He doesn't overburden us. He, doesn't, he, doesn't, he knows exactly what we can handle. He knows exactly what we need um, at any time. But where there is that, that coming together, that mutual friendship with God, then we can ask the Father in his name that he might give it to us. And now when we talk about friendship, um, I'm not talking necessarily about human friendship. I'm not talking about the friendship that you might have with one another. Um, it's not quite like uh, friendship amongst equals in that sense, um, right? When we think about friendship, we're thinking about two imperfect people um, that get together um, and then on both sides have to work out those imperfections and figure out what that relationship looks like. That's not what we're doing in this case. Jesus is perfect. Jesus is perfect in every way. 
It's our imperfections that have to be worked out and navigated and worked through, right? But there is, a, there, is, there is a mutual desire towards friendship, to finding friendship um, with God. If you look at, if you look at um, the Gospels and you see how Jesus interacted with his disciples, those that were closest to him, there were incredible moments of, of intimacy and tenderness. In fact, even in a couple of chapters before, um, they're eating dinner and John um, at dinner lays, lays his head back on Jesus' chest. Just a picture of beautiful intimacy that they shared with one another. There's also instances where it's not quite so intimate. It's a bit more awe-inspiring. Uh, for instance, if you look in... Um, <coughs> in um, oh, I can't remember the reference. Um, in uh, Luke 7, I think it is. Um, Jesus at the Transfiguration. He takes Peter, James, and John up the mountain. And then as he's going up the mountain, his face shines like the sun. His robes turn to pure white. Moses and Elijah appear beside him. And you've got these three friends of Jesus going, what on earth is going on? And they fall down in utter fear and dread of who he is. And in that moment, what does Jesus do? (laughs) He comes over and he just says, Come on, get up. <laughs> what are you doing? And they're like, what? I, can't. Like, the, 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 I mean, just imagine, picture that scene for a moment. That Jesus is both these things. He's the wonderfully tender one that we can find comfort and nurturing in. He's also the one that is a consuming fire whose face shines like the sun, whose robes are glorious white. And you hold those two things. It's sort of like, Jesus, I'm not quite sure. Like every conversation... You'd be thinking, Jesus, where are you going with this? Like, what, are you, what are you trying to teach? What are, you, what are you going? But And yet there's such a heart of compassion that these disciples were drawn to him over um, and over and again. And even Jesus knowing that many of them would, would run away, that Peter would deny him three times, that Judas would betray him, even knowing all of those things, just the depth of love that just comes through the Gospels is just incredible. Just incredible. That deep, intimate relationship that Jesus had with those that were nearest to him. And we can enjoy, maybe not the same, but a similar intimacy with Jesus. We can enjoy a similar intimacy with God as we pursue him, as we come into um, that deep, profound friendship with him. Um, It says in uh, Psalm 25, Psalm 25, 14, it says, the friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him. And he makes known to them his covenant. The friendship, that intimate relationship, that, 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 that time with God is for those who fear him, who revere him, who respect him, who, who give him the appropriate glory that he's due, that he's worth. That, that, that idea of fear there is, is in part, it is fear and trembling. But there's a reverence. 
There's a deep respect. And so when we talk about friendship, what we're not talking about is a casual relationship where you might see them this week, you might not see them that week. There is a deep, profound respect for Jesus. The best way I kind of think about it, and it's not perfect by any means, but imagine for a moment that you made friends with a king. Somebody that was part of a royal family, I don't know, you went to school together or whatever, you grew up together, you met at a football club, whatever. Like, and at one point, they become king, right? Imagine how, because you, you know that person intimately, and yet it's definitely not a relationship of equals. There's something distinct or different about it. And, and just the profound respect and, and, and just reverence you would have for that person, knowing them intimately, and yet at the same time, respecting the position, respecting that title. And then, imagine that they are the king of kings. Because in 1 Timothy, that's what, that's what Paul writes. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And so actually, there ought to be a, a profound reference uh, for our relationship um, with God. And so what about um, when we start talking about, um, so talk about friendship with God, but what about fight with God? Because actually, when it comes to prayer, our, our relationship with God is both, yes, coming and drawing near and our hearts being intertwined and, 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 drawn, and finding ourselves abiding in him and him abiding in us in this beautiful relationship. But that relationship doesn't exist in isolation. There are situations and circumstances that surround us that actually we have to then engage with. And often in prayer, um, we think of it in terms of coming with our requests before God. And I think actually, I just want to try and help us a little bit. Because when we think about sort of 10 days of prayer and fasting, there are certain things that we want to be praying into. Yes, absolutely. But first and foremost, we want to almost be pressing pause and creating space to engage with God. And give ourselves to that relationship. Now a part of that will be some of the things and some of the circumstances around us that we want to bring before God and lay at his feet. You know, Jesus said, my, my burden is, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And yeah, absolutely, we sometimes want to bring some of those things before him. But at the same time, we want to just create space to be with God. In, um, in Exodus, Moses uh, would take a tent outside of the camp of Israel, and he would set up a tent, um, and, and he would go into the tent, and he would meet with God in that tent. He would meet with God in that place, and it was a place of intimacy, um, but it was also a place of incredible power. Um, and uh, in Exodus 33, verse 11, it says, Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face, as a man speaks to a friend. You see, Moses would take time aside. To be fair, Moses is walking through the midst of the desert. He's, Moses has, has led the people of Israel out of Egypt. And now God is leading them through the desert. 
The point being, if Moses wasn't spending time with God, they weren't being led through the desert. Right? The specific instance, but at the same time, Moses created space to meet with God. And that's what we want to do with this uh, 10 days of prayer and fasting. We want to create space to meet with God. And we want to look to him. We want to revere him. We want to respect him. We want to um, honor who he is amongst us. We want to honor all that he's come to do in and through us. And we want to look to him and we want to gaze on his beauty And we also want to create space to listen. Because Jesus said in John 15, didn't he? He said, said, all that I've heard from my father, I've made known to you, to his disciples. And we want to create space to be able to listen to what God's saying. We want to be able to create space to be able to hear where he might be leading or where he might be directing. When you think at the year ahead, just being able to create space rather than just charging straight on with whatever plans or agendas we might have, we want to be creating space to listen to his direction, to listen um, to his leading. And um, when it comes to um, the final thing I'll say on prayer, I realize I've run out of time. That's fine. Um, in 2 Corinthians, um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, um, prayer, prayer also takes us out of our immediate surroundings, our immediate environment. Prayer kind of transports us somewhere with God that is beyond where we currently are. If you like, it gives us a perspective that is not based on physicality around us. It gives us a perspective from God's point of view. It lifts our gaze, it lifts our vision, it lifts our heart to be able to see all that God has for us. And in this context, um, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10, it says from verse 3, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ to take every thought captive to obey Christ, being ready to punish every disobedience when the disobedience is complete. And that idea that actually prayer is a weapon. We sang it. We sang it in that kid's song, right? Prayer is a weapon. But that is a reality. It's not just a twee thing that we sing like, this is actually the reality. Prayer is one of the weapons that God has given us to be able to fight. It's one of the tools that we've been given um, to be able to uh, destroy strongholds, to destroy arguments and every loft opinion raised against the knowledge of Christ. We pray. And that's why when you look at this flyer and you see all of the different prayer slots and there's, there's mornings, there's lunches, there's evenings, there's all sorts of things, there's Zooms, there's in person, there's prayer walks, there's all sorts of stuff going on. But there's a prayer theme next to each of them. 
And these are some of the things that we're believing God for. These are some of the things that we want to be pressing in or believing God's spoken over us. And so we want to be laying hold of them. And we want to be coming um, not from just a worldly perspective. How can we, uh, how can we achieve more? How can we um, you know, do more in the community? How can we da-da-da-da, X, Y, Z? But we believe that prayer fundamentally is one of the chief tools that will accomplish these things. And so these themes, if you like, are, are, are things to take aim at in prayer. As we gather together in prayer, and it may be that in some of those sessions or in some of those times, as we just draw near to God in our hearts, that actually he just begins to speak. And maybe that theme doesn't get covered. But you know what? That's okay. That's all right. Because it's not about our agenda. It's about pursuing God and all that he has for us. And in friendship with God, friendships often take spontaneous turns. Maybe we're not very good at spontaneity. Maybe we need to get better at spontaneity. But often relationships can take spontaneous turns. So although we have prayer themes, things that we'll be praying into, um, we may not get there straight away. We may not get there we may not get there, well, at all. But what we are doing is we are investing, we're setting aside a time, we're pressing pause on everything else, we're creating space for God, um, and we are leaning into him. And we're fighting for some of these things. And we're going to take hold of them. And, and I do believe, out of that verse 16... That whatever we ask in his name, according to our right relationship with him, as we come into relationship unburdened, unhindered, as we come into right relationship, whatever we ask in his name, he will provide. He will do it. Because that's part of his agenda. That's a part of what he has promised, what he has purposed um, in us. So I'm going to pray um, and then Tanika's going to come and lead us in bread and wine. Uh, Lord Jesus, Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you don't leave us as orphans. Jesus, thank you that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit, you come, Lord, and, and you've drawn close to us. Lord, we think that we've drawn close to you, but... Jesus, you initiated. You were the one that has drawn close to us. You are the one that has transformed our heart. You are the one that has changed us. And Lord, we just want to come before you and just say, Lord, as we look to these 10 days of prayer and fasting, Lord, we do want to be committed, Lord, to both friendship, relationship with you, and pressing into all that that is and all that that means for us. And Lord, we also want to fight. Lord, we want to fight with the tools that you've given us. We want to come, Lord, and, and make requests of you. We want to come and ask of you, God, that you would equip us with boldness and confidence, Lord, to achieve all that you have purposed for us. Lord, we want to be found in you. Lord, we want to abide in you, Lord, that you might abide in us. In Jesus' name, amen.